Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Afternoon Pancakes recording in the afternoon for once. My name is Jared. And I'm here with my good friend, Stephen Reed. How are you today, sir? I am doing fantastic today. How are you doing? Hey, we're all just lucky to be here, right? Yes. So here Wait, we was are. Was I supposed to have a bigger response to that? No. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, okay, great. <laughs> I mean, you could. Uh, however, comma, uh, Stephen, last week we saw... Um, joint practices between the Colts and Browns leading up to, of course, uh, what is going to be called a football game, uh, week season, preseason week two. You and I both, so I watched it live and watched it on Game Pass, so I've seen it a couple times. What do you, what are you thinking about it after, after the outcome of that football game? What, what were your initial thoughts? Well, my initial thoughts are... Um, there, there's a lot of really positive things uh, that I saw in the game. And now you, you really didn't get such a great idea or read on the, the defense, the Colts defense, uh, because you had you didn't have Baker Mayfield in there. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway I got from preseason game two was that the referees really needed time to get into their game. And their shoulders and arms are super warmed up now with the number of penalty flags they threw mm-hmm. in that game, because it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, no, on a serious note, uh, I was looking forward to to watching the defense and seeing how they matched up uh, against that, that Cleveland Browns offense. Even without Baker Mayfield, it's still a pretty solid, solid group. And the one thing that I, I noticed is I think the D- Colts pass rush and defensive ends are going to be a deceptively good group for them this year, because mm-hmm. If you're watching the games, and there weren't a lot of, of sacks in the game, but there were a lot of guys that were getting right there right. And, and were getting right there on the pressure. And it, it harkens back to what we had talked about last week when I was talking about uh, the the cornerbacks being able to hide their coverage and make that quarterback mm-hmm. stop for an extra quarter second, extra half a second, and think about their read. If there were a handful of plays in this past game that Justin Houston, Kamoko Ture, Ben Banigou, if they had an extra quarter second, an extra half second, that's a sack fumble. And so I I look at this defensive end group, and I had um, what I thought was a pretty innocuous tweet last week regarding Freddie Kitchens that Cleveland Browns fans blew up. And you know, thank you for that. Um, mm-hmm. But that they 
one of the the handful of them that actually wanted to engage talked to me, and they were sad, talking about the Colts really needed to figure out their defensive end position because after Houston and Sheard, they were done. And I said, my response was, I don't I don't think you follow the team as closely as you think you do, because they've got a really solid group of young talented guys after Houston and Sheard, and I didn't even mention to them that Sheard probably isn't going to be available to start the season. Right. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. They've got Kamoko Ture really, really played well mm-hmm. um, in getting off his blocks and, and getting into the quarterback. Um, Danico Autry, again, showed that he's going to be a force uh, up the middle. You know, Justin Houston was great. Hooker had some good plays and, and showed that his range is, is back. And like it was there last year, but you always have some hesitancy coming back from an injury. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, that's what I've heard. <laughs> Cause I've, I've never had a, a catastrophic injury like that. And so I've always heard that you, you've got some hesitancy coming back to get back full speed. And there were a couple plays in there where you saw hooker just take off um, and cover the field, which is really cool to see. Mm-hmm. And so from the defense, I'm they're fast and they're physical and, and they're getting around the ball. So I'm really excited to see how they develop. Uh, and as long as everybody stays healthy, um, they've got a good group. Absolutely. And I'll say this, kind of piggybacking off what you're talking about here. Um, so I'm going to be creating a lot more uh, fantasy football-related content. While it doesn't directly segue, and this is no means an advertisement, um, one of the things that I will note when I talk about defenses and special teams groups is that the Colts were ranked 10th in total defense last year with a lesser staff. And I'll agree that if you just look at the addition of Justin Houston and the rise of Ture, and and of course we'd more than welcome back Sheard, right? That Pass rush is developing an identity all of its own. Last year, in the years prior, we've been trying to manufacture that, right? We've we've sent linebackers, we've sent cornerbacks and safeties, and we even had some. Well, and that's the thing. You're right. Is they they had to develop. They had to manufacture that pass rush uh, right. outside of the defensive end position. So it took people that would normally be back in coverage because you just didn't have the talent at the defensive end position to really. Just like what they had, what the Colts had back with Freeney and Mathis, like you could just say go, right? And then you knew you had a pass rush. Yeah. Versus last year, you said that, and you're like, all right, so this ain't working. So maybe we send Kenny Moore. Maybe we see Darius Leonard. Maybe we have Walker Spy. You know, right. and and just kind of you were trying to send blitzes from all over, trying to to confuse the defense. Now you still have that option to send blitzes if you want but you have a legitimate pass rush for those times that you don't want to send a blitz. Exactly. And let's talk about the offensive side of the football. So obviously to start with, I found it amusing. Let's, let's start with amusing. The Colts would let the media show some film of Andrew Luck doing drills out of his own end zone. And I personally, kind of think that puts to bed the the Willie play week one question if if you saw him uh 
jumping over bags with relative ease and then also whip a ball downfield and then catch the return ball one-handed with his left hand, uh, you kind of realize the guy's a, a monster, right? He's definitely going to be playing week one, right? That's what I think. And that's what you and I have said pretty much this entire time is right. we think that this is a situation where the Colts are slow playing their hand. They're fine with him and where he's at. He's taking all the reps and walkthroughs, which are just as important as anything they see live. Yeah. And I, like you were saying, I don't think it was, um, I don't think it was by accident that they happened to have cameras out to film him doing pregame warmup two hours before the game. Um, yeah, I've said this before and, and you've said it before is if this were a game situation, I think that he's playing. Um, now this all being said, the, the luck situation does bear, make you bear in mind, like what the off, what the 53 man roster will look like, because yeah. if for whatever reason, luck isn't 90, 95%, 100% by the time cutdowns come then you've got a real issue because you're going to have to cut a position or a player that you would normally want to keep yeah. that you've got to keep that third quarterback. And, and so it's, it's one of those things where it does play into it, but I don't think it was by accident that the yeah. Colts let that slip out and to drum up, drum up more talk about luck and all that. And, you know, it's just one of those things where you just, you got to take the, the, re- the uh, recommendation of Taylor Swift, and you, you just need to calm down. <laughs> so one of the things that I wanted to throw out there is kind of, my mom's favorite movie is The Wizard of Oz. And kind of throughout this process, and I'd been kind of saying it in years prior, that the way the rules are written regarding your injury report it's all smoke and mirrors, man. There's there's 90 people running around. They they put out a, a 53-man roster that still has Andrew Luck listed as number one, but it's not it's not at all accurate. That's smoke and mirrors, right? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Watch Andrew Luck work. Tell me he doesn't look fantastic. And I think it sh- it was purposeful. I think it was meant to show. Those who wonder, what exactly do the Colts have? Oh, we've got Andrew Luck. Now let's watch Jacoby Brissett, Chad Kelly, and Philip Walker with a, with a constrained eye, right? And pretend like but a one or two of those guys is going to be here. So I think they're going to get rid of probably Philip Walker. Um, and I think, as I've been saying all along, I think the purpose of trotting out Andrew Luck to practice or Andrew Luck uh, to pregame is to remind everyone still have this look at Jacoby Brissett though look how good he looks look at A for 10 moving the ball downfield throwing the ball in a tight window scoring like against the Browns who they had a heated practice against so that they'd kind of they'd gotten to see him in practice right and he still led a scoring drive in, in limited work so I think that the longer that Andrew Luck sits in this preseason, the higher it drives up the value of Jacoby Brissett in trade, which is what the Colts are looking for. And frankly, segue, I fail to understand at this point why Colin Kaepernick isn't the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. 
And I would also say, hey, that doesn't look like a bad trade destination if San Fran gets a little panicky, a la Jed York. And I kind of think panicky's on his radar, right? So the Yeah, Jimmy G did not look great. Zero rating, brother. It's the first time I've ever seen it. He was literally worse than Nathan Peterman last year. Oh, wow. Just bad. I didn't, I didn't see the game, bad. but I just heard that he was really, really bad. And uh, is, I know uh, that some people have been saying that uh, Jacoby Brissett is, is better than Jimmy G. And I'm like, well, that's what I've been saying for, what, two years now? Right. Um, or, well, at least a full year now. Yeah. Is so that it, I think he's got a better situation. But anyway. And I would argue, I would argue Chad Kelly's also better than Jimmy G. And I would rather watch him play. I mean, I don't know about the Philip Walker comparison, but imagine having a quarterback camp where your number one and two options are Jimmy G and Philip Walker. That's what I'm saying. Like, the Colts have potentially two guys on their in their quarterback room outside of Andrew Luck that could be a starter-level NFL player tomorrow. Um, so, like I said, I just think it drives up Jacoby Brissett's value. Uh I think last last week we had kind of chatted about maybe a late second, early third. How do you feel about that now? I feel great about that. I feel like it's a second. I like. I feel like it's still a second round pick. Um, you know, and, and this is going to be for. A, it, it, this is what the, the the question is: is is what's the market, and how desperate is a team to get him? Yeah. And that's always the question. When you ever when you discuss any trade um, for Brissett, he's got he's obviously he had a great game this past week. He had a great this game. past week. He he, he played really really well. Oh yeah, I, he's I, a he's I, a great a great locker room guy, a great on field mm-hmm. leader, good cheerleader man. There's nothing better than um, well, and because of that, like because of all of the off field stuff and the fact that he can step in right away, it does make me wary and that they will not trade him at all because sure. they yeah, see the value of of him for especially for this year with this team yeah having him available as the backup you know it, it would it would have to be a pretty hefty price tag i think for for the colts to move him and, and that's going to be a, at least a second round pick if not higher um now i well i say that only because they need something big to move him yeah. And I don't think just a second round pick gets it done. It'd have to be like a second round pick and a fourth round pick or, or something more than just a round two um, to get him to move. And yeah. that said, when you're looking at the other quarterbacks on the roster, I think you're right in terms of Chad Kelly being a potential better option as that third quarterback over somebody like Philip Walker. I don't mm-hmm. know if you said that, but I'm going to make believe that you said it. Yeah. I did. Um, <laughs> okay. Perfect. Whew. Um because I, I was watching the the, uh, the this past week's game, and Philip Walker has one speed on his throw, and, and that's what it looked like to me. Is every ball was a rocket, and so you had guys that are, are usually not not too terribly bad with their hands just drop balls, right? Um, and he was kind of erratic in terms of his accuracy, and then you've got a guy that comes in like Chad Kelly who had showed some touch. Yeah. Like you saw, you know, Krishan Hogan make a couple great catches. You saw um, Johnson make a, a decent catch. It, it's just one of those things where having a quarterback with touch 
makes all the difference. And you and I have talked about this before with regards to Eric Ebron and, and Devin Funches when they came from Cam Newton and Matt, Matt Stafford. And those quarterbacks throw rockets. They have right. one speed. It's fast. Yep. Versus coming to a situation like what you've got here in Indianapolis and you've got Andrew Luck who shows touch, Jacoby Brissett who's starting to show touch. You've got Chad Kelly who has touch. And then right. you have Philip Walker who just throws rockets. And you can really see the difference. And yeah. like Marcus Johnson had two really bad drops. Zach Pascal got, I think, hit in the back um, because he what he hadn't got his head around by the time the ball had got there. Right. And you had a bunch of just and those are throws by Walker that you just look at and go, man, if you would have. I mean, I get threading the needle in there, but you got to put some touch on it so they at least get a chance. <laughs> Right. You know, but at the same same point, you know, Deion Kane made a bunch of great plays all Absolutely. day. He was my he was my offensive MVP going away. Seven catches on nine targets, eighty yards, a little over eleven yards a catch. Uh, oh, a lot of them in good, traffic. He had a bunch of good crossers. He had he had a good toe tap uh, or toe drag on the sideline mm-hmm. for I think first down. He had you know a good yards after catch play. He got caught um, on it, but at the same time. I think uh, it was after after the Buffalo game. He had talked about wanting to get some get some yak in there, yeah. and so he got some of that. And he he was made some good catches. He had a bad drop on one of Philip Walker's rockets, mm-hmm. um, where he was coming across the middle, and it was a little behind him, so he's reaching back. And again, that's where touch comes into play. If you're catching a ball in an awkward situ- awkward position and your hands aren't where they normally are, it makes it really hard to, to get that back around and, and get your body back around to really make that play. And so it's just one of those things where you realize certain things matter more in a situation with a quarterback and wide receiver. Absolutely. And to all those people out there uh, that wonder, you know, why – why do we even care at all about the preseason? I would challenge you to watch other teams play. Um, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier about the San Francisco 49ers. That that game was awful to watch. And I get it, we're watching backups. But if you really think about the product you're seeing when it isn't a starter, when you watch the team, well, you know, and I'll even include the Browns in this. You know, a lot of... You know, and obviously this is a little, a slight ribbing, but Cleveland Browns fans have been super excited all all preseason long about how how good they've looked and how how they'll be noted for their tenacity. And again, I would say it's the friggin' preseason. Everybody ought to be tenacious. Um, that said, though, carrying that through a 16 game regular season into the playoffs is is the kind of job, right? Not not playing your backups in the second quarter in a preseason game. Um, but, yeah, the the Colts have less less problems than I would argue a lot of franchises do. They have a lot of holes filled up that, the, you know, I would argue teams are still looking for second, you know, their, their second group, whereas the Colts kind of have their first and second groups kind of nailed down or really just come down to the last few players. Injuries have been a big factor. And speaking of injuries, right? Uh, Reese Fountain. Wah, wah. 
obviously not something fun to talk about, you know, with the, with the loss of Deion Kane last year, uh, really kind of, kind of stinging early, uh, this year, uh, we lose Reese Fountain and, uh, in practice in what I believe was a non-contact drill. So it's not like he got hit and hurt. Um, said he dislocated his ankle and had an ankle sprain too. No, um, it was a dislocated ankle and a fracture. Oof. So, got so and it was reportedly non-contact. Um, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I didn't see any kind of video of it. So, right. Yeah, but everybody says it was non-contact. Sounds like it dislocated and fractured. He got taken to the hospital uh, for observation right away. Uh, they put it in the air cast, um, stabilized the leg, took him to the hospital. He got released from that and then had surgery, I think, late last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and the surgery apparently went well. Um, and so hopefully everything everything works out well for him and, and he comes back. It's When it happened, it broke my heart because... I had for what four or five weeks now talked about how I was expecting big things from him. Yeah. And then he started showing big things and you really got to see that talent that you saw at in Northern Iowa that you, you could really see that he was going to come out and, and make a difference and, and had an opportunity to really make this roster. And it just really sucks for him and his family that that's how it ends for this year. Um, now, all that being said, he was pushing for the wide receiver five, wide receiver six spot. Right. So, in terms of how that really matters uh, for the Colts going forward, I don't think it matters too much. It actually maybe made their their wide receiver decision easier yeah. um, when it comes to the 53 man cut down because before you were looking at potentially cutting Therese Fountain or uh, Chester Rogers or Zach Pascal um, prior to or at the 53 man cutdown, and now with with Fountain on IR, you don't really you don't have to have that debate, and you get Fountain on your team for another year. You get him through the trainers. You get you get to reserve his rights, and right. so you got to bring him back next year when potentially Devin Funchess has moved on to another team or something along those lines. And so it's it's unfortunate. Um, for Dries Fountain, and you hate to see the injury, um, but it may have made the Colts' decision a little bit easier uh, going into the 53-man cutdown um, coming up next week. Yeah, it's certainly not how you want to be making decisions. Is oh, that's the worst, man. And I, that's why I told you before is is when we we talked about potentially trade options for trading wide receivers um, in the past couple weeks and. We talked about, you know, potentially moving Pascal or Johnson or Rogers or Fountain, any of them. And I said, I don't think they will make any trade before week three of the preseason for the sheer fact of injuries happen. Freak injuries happen. You don't want to trade away your depth before you know what you've got. Right. And, and you know where you're at you going mean? forward. Yeah, and what you exactly what you may need. You you don't know who's going to be there at the end of the preseason, and unfortunately for Jerry's Fountain, he he got injured, and and it really really sucks for him because he had worked so hard, and he'd put in all the work to get back and get in great shape and get himself to where he had a real opportunity to make this roster. And the Colts wide receivers, even even without Jerry's Fountain right now, 
still look like they could be a really, really solid group going forward. Absolutely. And that's, it's kind of perfect to, you know, say we, like we said, we wish the, the Fountain family well and uh, speedy recovery. And, and just like we, just like we've seen Deion Kane come back from an injury a year later and look really good, have an opportunity to make the roster. So we, we can say pretty, pretty confidently uh, T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver one, and then between Campbell and Funch for wide receiver two, three. And then we'd be looking at Chester Rogers, Zach Pascal, and then keeping one of the Marcus Johnson, Penny Hearts of the world. Uh, um, the I think right now you've got you've got Hilton and Funches and, and Campbell are for sure. Yeah. Rogers was back on punt returns just like he's always been, so I imagine he'll he'll get kept. Yeah. Um, Kane has just shown out all preseason. I think the one the one player that that might be at risk for losing a roster spot is Pascal, um, and that's just because they've got other guys at other positions that could play on special teams. Mm-hmm. But if he's, for instance, fighting it out with you know Marcus Johnson you're probably giving the edge to Pascal over Johnson because Johnson's been inconsistent might be the best word for it over preseason. You see him make a couple plays, but then you see him make really bad drops and you're going, come on, man, what's why, what's going on here? Um, now at the same time, Pascal hasn't shown up and didn't show up last week. Um, against against the Browns, I want to say that they had someone else back receiving punts or on no on kickoffs. I want to, like maybe it was Ashton Doolin or Roger yeah, Lewis. Yeah, it was Ashton Doolin, number nine. He, like I said, like I said in my post game video, like he got a lot of shine last week. He got a lot of playing time. I saw this big number nine out there and was like, who is this dude? Um, huh. Not necessarily like making plays, but like being near or near around the play pretty consistently mm-hmm. to where you're watching the back of his jersey a lot. Um, and then. So one of the things that we can kind of move towards here, we're talking about uh, Reese Fountain's injury, and then obviously we're looking ahead here uh, to week three, which traditionally has been the the dress rehearsal for starters. But I wanted to step in and say something that happened. I believe, I'm pretty positive this was today, but Frank Reich did an interview where they talked about the percentage of Colts starters that sit week to week in the preseason and paraphrasing, and I'm not looking at anything. I'm pretty positive. Frank Reich basically said like, this is just a game. Like it's a, it's a game. Your injury report guys dressing, not dressing, practicing, not practicing. It's a, it's a, it's a game. It's been going on for a long time. And that feeds my, of course, conspiracy theory, right? It just keeps, keeps that hope alive that, Largely, what we're seeing is smoke and mirrors. And those thus far in the preseason, you know, you've you've had guys not play. Obviously, headline Andrew Luck, right, has not played in the preseason. Uh, Marlon Mack has not played or played limited. Um, Wilkins, Hines, those guys have kind of played in very limited. Uh, and we've mostly been getting the back end of of the depth chart on the field the majority of the game, with the exception, you know, you haven't seen really, you haven't seen Ty, but you've seen Funch. I uh, haven't seen Campbell because he's been injured, but you're starting to see the Deion Keynes of the world uh, just kind of surface and, and show you exactly what they're capable of. Um, and it goes even further. You know, you go to the tight ends, you know, um, Jack played a little uh, there in game two. Uh, Eric Ebron 
looked good in limited action, caught a couple balls in traffic, caught the touchdown, obviously, on what was a great throw. Um, just kind of exposing the depth uh, there at, at tight end, too. You know, Hunter Henry's had a big game. Uh, and then Mo Cox hasn't really played. Ross Travis caught a touchdown. Um, so really the whole the whole offense, in my idea, again, it's kind of all been smoke and mirrors because for the most part you haven't really seen a lot of them. You know, similarly, keep going. I go to the offensive line like Chad Kelly didn't play. There's a Ryan Kelly. Ryan Kelly didn't play. You know, uh, Quentin's out there every every game. You know that. But, like, uh, Anthony Costanza didn't play. Um, Golinski played and Braden Smith played. And they're they're all kind of getting their shine. I thought – They're all getting limited reps. Nelson didn't play. For whatever oh, reason. Oh, he's injured. He Nelson. was injured. He may have been injured. You know, he played week one. Yeah, he played uh, week one. And so Costanza didn't play. But I think it was flipped last week. But, yeah. Yeah. So these guys are getting limited reps. They're not even playing in games. And I'm not even saying they're not injured, man. Like – Training camp was the hardest uh, I ever worked in my whole athletic career. The the preparation for the beginning of a new season uh, ramps up, and there are a lot of soft tissue injuries. A lot of a lot of guys either come back and they've been working too hard and they get hurt because they're overworked, or they didn't work hard enough. And it's that delicate balance that kind of gets you through uh, training camp through the preseason. And what you've kind of watched, similarly, the way the, the Colts front office has handled the preseason is they're kind of guys are just not not playing in the preseason because the preseason is just an opportunity to put your marquee players at risk for no reward. You know, the outcome's irrelevant. As long as you score 43 points across four games in a preseason, you're going to make the playoffs 80 percent of the time. So the reality is that's. It's a little over nine points a game. That's nothing. You know, nine, ten points a game. That's that's nothing. You don't even have to win. Nobody cares about win loss in the in the preseason. If I remember correctly, Peyton Manning's won like won like three preseason games in his entire career. So, as as important it is, I'm sure people to get good use out of their their tickets when they go watch the Colts. It, in my opinion, having watched quite a bit of football in my time, the Colts have something exciting going on. And speaking of exciting. Today the Colts made a couple, or made a an ad drop, as it were, and took up Washington State running back James Williams, uh, who didn't make the Kansas City Chiefs final roster cut last year in what was a crowded backfield, right? I mean, the Colts are already employing Spencer Ware out of that backfield. Um but the Kareem Hunt, the you know, I mean, the was it Charkandrick West? I mean, they the Chiefs backfield, uh, not an easy one to break. And I watched some some highlights of James Williams, and I kind of like I kind of like a big guy like that getting an opportunity to to get out there and make a name for himself. If I remember correctly, he's like six three, two fifty, and plays running back, and is like fifth all time Washington State rusher and. Uh, has a school record for receptions in a season, so he can take all kinds of looks off of your first three running backs at a minimum because he's got the skill set to do that, right? And then it's just about, for him, making some plays because I don't think he's in danger, and I hate to, say to, hate to say it like that, he's not really in danger of making the roster, right? Teams don't usually keep five, six running backs. You know, they might keep four. 
Yeah, I think that they're the Colts' top four running backs are are pretty well set. Unless if Jordan Wilkins' injury is more significant than they're letting on, I don't see a whole lot of a lot of other options outside of those top four of Mac Hines, uh, Wilkins, and Williams. Yeah, and then so it's our excitement is delayed a little because barring I don't know like a, a world record setting outing out of uh, James Williams, you know, he's just there to take some reps off your, your other players. Uh, but it gives him an opportunity to come out and show the world what he can do. And I think the Colts have taken the preseason serious enough and they've got good enough quarterbacks that if anybody's going to get a fair look as a running, as a running back in the preseason, it's going to be this Williams kid because he's he's big enough that they're going to get to put the ball in his hands and let him work. Uh, and so this he may not he may not work out for the Colts just because the Colts have pretty settled depth. Uh, but you're watching a football game thinking this guy could probably play in the NFL. Uh, hopefully, given you know, hopefully he comes in up sh- in shape, you know, uh, and isn't he's got to be better than Dante Foreman, right? Yeah, well, and and the other part is he's a very different player than than Deontay Foreman. Yeah. Um, you know, Williams is more of a like he's a pass catching back, yeah. um, and that's how he was used at Washington State. Um, and so he he's got he's big, he's six foot two or five, but he's he's got that ability to to make catches, which is huge in the Colts system. But like you were saying, I think that the majority of the reason that they're bringing in all these running backs, you've seen what four brought in recently um, is because they just want to give a break to the top four. You know, you know, Wilkins is nursing an injury. Williams, uh, Jonathan Williams got uh, a rib rib injury in the last game. Uh, And so they're, they're not going to put him in there in harm's way if they don't have to. And so I think all these guys are being signed for the mere, just for bodies to play in this third preseason game and kind of going off what you were saying earlier with the conspiracy theory kind of aspect. What I find interesting is NFL coaches more and more are using the preseason not to play their starters. Um, And they're using it just as an evaluation tool for those younger players, those bottom of the roster guys. And especially because they're keeping 90 man rosters throughout the entire training camp. So, before, once you had the two cutdowns, you had that cutdown um, from 90 to like 75, and then from 75 to 53. Those extra players made a huge difference uh, back then on who you could play. And now you've got 15 other guys that you can play in weeks three and four. So it makes those other preseason games not as important for your starters to play the whole time or even a part of the time. And it gives the Colts, for example, an option to go and sit guys that normally would be getting a couple reps here and there, getting a series or two. Mm -hmm. Um, But they've got that depth uh, on that 90-man roster to be able to put somebody else in there and say, hey, you're going to take the load off of, you know, X person for however many plays. So then you don't have to worry about those guys being out there and potentially getting injured in a game. Yeah, and that's where you really want to be. You know, one of the things that you'll see if you watch games outside of the Colts in the preseason 
is you are gonna see, you're gonna see a lot of starting units. And I keep going back to that game last night, but watching the starting San Francisco offense and then be ice cold together, and you realize how important it really is to be ready should they turn the lights on and start keeping score, right? And it just so happens, like like I keep going back to, that game was night and day different from what you would see out of the Indianapolis Colts because we're not building the front end of our roster still. We're not evaluating starters anymore. We're not even evaluating second stringers. We're evaluating like future reserve contract guys that aren't going to be out of the league if they don't make this roster or this practice squad. And then again, we we've kind of been saying that all along the Colts practice squad is going to get scalped and I hate to use that word even, but like it's going to get used. The guys, the guys that you can't protect, you know, you know, your, your Reese fountain goes down. If should he not made the team and him not gotten hurt, he wouldn't be here. No, Somebody he would have gotten claimed on waivers. Yeah, like, it's, I, it's, and it's not even the practice squad getting scalped. Because, like, there are ways that you can maneuver the practice squad because it's not a, a somebody offers you a contract, you have to sign it kind right. of thing for the practice squad. Now, uh, after cutdowns from that 90 to 53, the, everybody that's cut goes to waivers, and any team can, can claim them. Right. And so that's where I think you'd lose a lot of, lot of these guys that you would – you know, for example, like your fifth tight end, like, do you want to Ross Travis or Hale Hentages? Do you think, do you think Hentages is, is going to make it past the waivers to the practice squad? I don't think so. I right. think if, if he is cut, the Patriots claim him as fast as they can. Absolutely. Because he is such a solid tight end and would fit their system so well. Um, Eagle, the Eagles would claim him. The Arizona you know, off the top of my head, just ripping off teams that need tight ends. Yeah. Um, you know, Ross Travis, you know, do you keep Ross Travis over Hale Hintages? Yeah, probably in probably. a vacuum. But yeah. you have to realize that Hentiches isn't going to make it through waivers probably and not going not gonna to get stashed on your practice squad. Um, but the, the interesting thing is, though, with the practice squad, you can offer them more money on the practice squad to give them incentive to stay on your practice squad. So right. you can offer them, you know, active roster money on the practice squad and the Colts with all their cap space. Nobody's going to, if they really want to keep a player, nobody's, nobody's going to outbid them. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's not an issue there, but yeah, it's, it's just what such an interesting situation for Colts fans to be in, to have, to be talking about evaluating second, third string guys um, versus trying to discuss starters. And one of the things that I, I think is interesting, just looking at those second and third string guys, and I know this is a guy that, that you like to bring up every week, so I try to pay especially close attention to him. But Marvell Tell, mm-hmm. this past week in in the game, I thought he played really, really well. Yep. And, and I think he's starting to come up that depth chart because you saw him in that second and third quarter come in, and he played almost exclusively on uh, – I don't want to say exclusively, but he – he played the outside all the time. I was going to say exclusively on the left side, but on the pass interference call that should have been offensive pass interference. Um, when I watched it live, I go, oh, that's offensive pass interference because the 
Tell's got his head around. He's got his arm reaching out to make a play. And the Cleveland guy is literally grabbing around his head. Right. And I go, how is that defensive pass interference? Mm -hmm. And then I saw it and I go, they should challenge that. And then they challenged it. And for whatever reason, it was upheld. And I go, what? Yeah. How did that not get reversed? Was there a camera angle that maybe we didn't see that wasn't shown to us? Um, but Tell was stride for stride with everybody the, all day. Now, the one thing I will say with Tell is he he seems to shy away from contact. Um, at least uh, when he's out there, there's a bunch of guys that will fly and go to the ball and hit. And Tell kind of danced around several times when a running back got a little bit loose. But, you know, he saw that there was a safety coming up or or a linebacker coming over and he just kind of was like, Ooh, 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 Ooh. And then moving around, um, not really going in and making a hit, but yeah, it's, it's just interesting. And, you know, Sterling Shippey is another guy that I think could has great anticipation off the snap at the defensive tackle position, mm-hmm. but I think there's zero chance that he makes his roster um, yeah. with what they have. And with Sheard being injured, you're going to have to keep an extra guy and I don't think it's Shippy, um, but he's one of those guys that I would love to to put on that practice squad and and have him available for, for example, when like Marcus Hunt, you know, is moves on from his contract. I, I know he just signed like a two year extension last year, but <laughs> right. But still, like he's one of those guys that I just I just really like the player that he is. Um, and I think that he could be could do really, really well. Um but yeah, that's a it's it's such an interesting interesting place to be in for Colts fans. Yeah, I think it's a lot different than in years past. You know, in years past, you kind of watched the whole game with your head in your hands, wondering who's running this thing, uh, other than into the ground, right? Uh, so since we've gotten Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, the the things have certainly uh, changed course. I mean, if you really think about how much different this team looks from a depth perspective from just a few years ago. It's so night and day, uh, obviously looking, looking better on this side of that coin, that's for sure. Um, and the Colts actually get a normal preparation week this week. So they don't play on Thursday. They play on Saturday. So going into this game here, week three, How are you feeling? What are we kind of looking for? You know, we obviously know we're not going to get the starters on offense and defense to all play at the same time in the same game. That's not going to happen. But is there any kind of intriguing things going on on the back end of this roster that you think, hey, that's something we ought to be paying attention to this week? I think what you should be watching is the offensive line this week. Um, because you've got um, Mac on the uh, Chicago on the bear side and they, you know, that's one of the best players in the NFL. And so you're going to see, you know, really how, I I wonder how much the starters will play. I assume they'll play quite a bit um, for at least a, a quarter and a half, maybe like the first series of the third quarter. I know that's what has happened in years past. Um, but at the same time, you're not you're not sure with what what they're gonna do with Frank Reich and, and Chris Chris Ballard in terms of resting players and giving guys breaks when when they think they need them. 
I I am interested to see just from you know I'm interested to see how the linebackers play against the running backs um, in Chicago, just because Chicago and that offense likes to throw to the running back quite a bit, if I right. if I remember correctly, um, and to see how well the defense does on contain. Because one thing that we that we maybe forget about with the Colts being a faster defense is that when you are a faster defense, you have a tendency to over pursue and teams, for example, like the Patriots, uh, take advantage of that and yeah. they'll go with misdirection plays. So you get everybody running down, running to the left or, or stunting over to the, to the left side of the line. And you have the tight end come and seal off everybody that's going the one way and you can't get anybody coming back on on that misdirection play. Or if you do a cutback, everybody's already downhill in the other direction and there's no place for them to go. Um, beyond that, there's there's not like that like juicy, intriguing matchup that you had with, you know, Buffalo or, you know, with with Cleveland right. coming in. I think the biggest thing that I'm going to look for is, as we've talked about at, at length in this podcast is the depth and seeing guys in that second string and in that third string to see who see who plays when and where um, is probably a good way to put it because for example like Jalen Collins has not played well in right. either of the first two preseason games and and struggled in in training camp so far but you've got guys like you know, Marvell Tell, who's playing really, really well. Chris Milton, you know, is he going to make the roster on the back end? Um, you know, is there a guy on the defensive line that's going to step up and make it so they can't cut him? You know, yeah. Carol Phillips, for example, comes to mind. I think Obum Guachum is played really pretty, pretty well last week. And so he's probably going to get some heads turned his way. I think he's a fourth year guy. Um, and so I don't think that he has any eligibility left for the practice squad. And so he's putting out tape for other teams and, and who knows, uh, I'd like to see, I think that what I'd like to see the most from this game is more consistency from the wide receivers, um, in terms of catching, yeah. um, you know, and, and just general play, there were some bad drops last week that should, should get fixed. Um, there were, I'd love to see, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. Well, let me go back to the wide receivers. Like I'd love to see Marcus Johnson become more consistent. Yeah, um, Krishan Hogan and, and uh, Ashton Doolin both have played really, really well. Um, I loved Krishan Hogan this last game. Like I yeah. thought he played really well. He was in there. He's willing blocker um, goes in, mixes it up. And, and it's one of those things where he's a local kid too. So you really, you really get rooting for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but at the same time, it's a matter of space. So I, I'd love to see Marcus Johnson and Krishan Hogan play really well to increase their value because I don't think that – I think that Ballard after week three is probably going to trade one of those two, and I think that he'll probably trade one of the tight ends, either Ross Kravitz or Hale Hitches, um, to a some team because – they both have value and there's going to be teams that know that there's no chance that they're going to make it to their waiver spot. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, one thing I'd really like to see is EJ speed 
um, play some significant time and get rid of the mental errors. Um, Because I've noticed this the past two games that he's very fast to get to the ball once he recognizes what is happening. And so he is, it's that, that same situation where you get into a new defense or you get into, for example, a, a complicated defense, like a three, four, and you've got keys and marks and you're thinking and trying to figure it out. And then it takes them a second to figure out what's going on. And once he does, he goes and gets it. But the problem is right now, this defense you can't think before you go. You just have to recognize it and go. Yeah, and that's and and so that's my biggest thing with EJ Speed is like he gets to the ball so fast, but he just needs to recognize what's happening sooner. And part of that is just experience, is yes. getting in there, being in the fight, seeing what's happening, recognizing it, and, and taking your keys off of it. And then, um, yeah, other than that, like there's not. In my, I, do you think there's a juicy matchup here in the with the Bears that that maybe I'm I'm totally missing on this one? I think this is a good opportunity for the Colts offensive line to get some reps against what is a defensively talented football team. Uh, if you are placing bets on which defense is going to be the best in the league, you'd typically bet that money on the Bears defense, uh, which you kind of alluded to earlier. Uh, so I think, you know, the the Bears' second offense isn't something I'm familiar with. And again, I don't expect to see the starters, but, you know, at max, maybe a quarter. And still not everybody, and still on either side of the ball. Uh, so I still don't expect anywhere near a complete outing. But like you said, the the if there is a juicy matchup, it's how does the Colts' interior def- uh, offensive line protect against, say, like a a blitzing Khalil Mack. And I'd argue that if I'm if I'm a football coach and I'm playing in this preseason game, I'm talking to Khalil Mack and I'm saying, hey, I want you to stun up the middle and I want to see how the middle of my offensive line picks up a blitzing linebacker and you're one of the best at it. Why not give him a couple good looks if you're going to go, right? Um, so, yeah, I think that anytime, anytime you go up against a team that has a lot of... Um, a lot of resources devoted to the defensive side of the football. You want to get some good, some good looks out of your offense, which kind of feeds into what you're saying about uh, really want to see the wide receivers step up and be a little more consistent. You know, uh, one of the things I can't imagine is how difficult it is to get excited about losing your job. Right. And I think that a lot of the people that you're going to see that are getting opportunities this weekend some of them aren't even playing for a job with this organization. They're playing for the next opportunity. And any time that you get an opportunity to suit up and get out on the field and give it your all, you know, Saturday is somebody's Super Bowl, right? This is the highest level of competition they'll ever see. There's a good chance that someone that starts for the Colts say their offense on Saturday, that that's the best defensive player they'll ever play against. They may never play in the league again, but just because the Colts don't play their starters in the preseason, they're getting to they're getting out there and getting to play. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not really concerned. I can't I can't foresee 
with the way the money is spent for the Chicago Bears that their second team offense is worth speaking at length about. But I, you always want to see your defense tighten the screws down on an unknown opponent, right? And and it's what kind of I'd said earlier, where when I'm evaluating uh, NFL teams, or if I'm I'm talking about uh, how good I think a defense can be. I have high hopes in that the step up for the Colts is to finish inside, like, say, the top seven in total defense. That makes them a draftable defense in fantasy football. So it's something to think about. The talent is finally there for me to comfortably say that and not choke back uh, laughing at myself, right? Now, last year, obviously, was kind of an aberration. Didn't get quite nearly quite the defensive performance in the – front half of the season that we front part of the season that we did the back portion right so it'd be interesting to just it's going to be interesting to watch the Colts fill out the back end of that roster some guys step up and make some plays some guys are not going to you know one two a couple of the names that I feel like we've both kind of been saying has kind of fallen off are are Jalen Collins uh and like a Marcus Johnson right had a couple bad drops been been getting plays made over him and Jalen Collins, so it's it's those guys that have to step up and have a really solid outing after not having done it for yet, right? In hopes that they do enough to get to stick around. Because other than that, it's just like you said, there's so much talent on this team now that after this week, you really start entertaining draft picks. And speaking of draft picks, I just wanted to get this one in there. How good does that Washington second round draft pick look now? Right? Oh, oh, that's like I when I when they made the trade, I go, that's awesome. That's going to be a top 40 pick. Right. Like that team is terrible. Like mm-hmm. top top to bottom, they don't really have a whole lot going on on defense. They don't uh, outside of, you know, Trent Williams, they didn't have anybody on the offensive line. I right. I didn't think that they were going to put Haskins back there to start game one because they realize that they don't have anything in the offensive line. They don't really have anything in skill position play. Like that's not a good team um, out there in Washington. And it's just, and, and that's sad because like their fan base is so passionate and love their, they love their team so, so much. And they've got an owner that is just a fan that is playing with it. Like it's fantasy football. They've got, a general manager or team president, whatever he is, that is just so buddy buddy with the owner that there's no way he's going to get fired until they get either new ownership or you know Dan Snyder finally realizes that Bruce Allen is is sinking their ship. That team's <laughs> just going to continue to be terrible, 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 terrible. I will say this with with regards to Bruce. I was doing a little bit of research while you were talking. And found that Matt Nagy, the Bears coach, uh, is probably not going to play his starters for most of the preseason either. Yeah. And so this might be a really great opportunity for those second round, second year guy or that second string, third string guys yeah. to get an opportunity to play and shine. And like, I understand where you're coming from with, you know, what's what's my motivation to play hard in this game, knowing I'm about to be cut. And I think it's you alluded to it later saying that the motivation is you want to put film out for 31 other teams that right. see you. Or, you know, if you count the Canadian Football League, I don't right. even know how many teams are up there. But you've got a lot of opportunities. 13, to play I think. Fo- 
Oh, that I had no idea. Um, I know that they have the Blue Bombers, which I think our old colleague Brad Wells started a, a, a website for them, the Stampede Blue Bombers. Um, but that's all I think I know about it. Is that the website um, he writes for now? No, I have no idea. I just uh, made that up. Um, yeah. <laughs> so did I. So did I. <laughs> um, yeah. Woo. Um, anyway, so I, I, Brad and I used to be friends, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, but these guys are all playing for other teams and trying to, to put out some film so they'll at least get a call or they might have an opportunity to make a practice squad or you know, they, they want to keep working and trying to keep improving their craft. So maybe they can pursue this dream dream of becoming a professional football player and making the NFL and even playing a couple of years. Um, but it's, it's just going to be the preseason's rough. And there's a part of me that's really glad that coaches are sitting out starters and sitting out their star players in favor of saving them for the regular season when games actually matter. Because you see a lot of every year, you see teams just totally bomb because you know they they have, they have their quarterback that gets hurt in the preseason when it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. or you know their star running back you know tears an ACL or their wide receiver you know dislocates and fractures his ankle, or you know I'm not saying Dries Fountain was going to do anything necessarily this year, but it holds true that non-contact injuries in training camp or in preseason games really can set you back. And so why put those players out there? Why not use it to evaluate young talent? Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's where we are. Um, Cause we're just still kind of evaluating uh, how good, how good is Chris Ballard at attracting talent? You know, there's, you know, they're getting all the compliments in the world from media, not getting nearly the publicity. You know, I'm one of those people. I sit around and watch NFL Network and, you know, the the Colts are kind of flying under the radar and that's just fine. You know, you you don't need to be acknowledged until you arrive. And I'd argue it's going to take something like a, a win against the Chiefs at full strength um there in the early first half of the season and then it's going to take finishing the season right like going to new orleans and beating the saints to kind of cement for the world that the the colts have arrived um and i i'd like to think if you're going to bet on the colts this is kind of the year this is the year in terms of you could be without a guy like Devin Funches next this year. This is going to be your best year yeah. to bet on the Colts, especially if you're looking for odds. Yeah. Because I think the Colts are right right now like 15 to 1 odds. Yeah. And it's only going to improve as the years go on. So yeah. if you're looking like, yeah, when it comes to betting and stuff, you just look at it and you're like, all right, well, if you're going to bet on them, this year is probably going to be your biggest return for your least – least investment yeah i mean and that's ultimately not necessarily talking about actually betting but just if there is a year to get your hopes up right this is this is the one of those seasons where it's like it's every year jared it it hasn't been for those of us that are realists but this year 
they're just so much talent. And then they, they made a couple acquisitions on top of having another great draft that for me, in terms of someone who just, I have realistic expectations. This is the year where, um, I was thinking earlier about a song, uh, that, that eclipsed kind of how I feel. Oh, peaceful, easy feeling. Right. Where I'm, I have no idea what that song is. I thought you were going to say Old Town Road. No, not at all. Not like everybody else. Um, so the reason I say that is when I think about the Colts this year, I'm I'm kind of at ease in that I'm not as concerned as I have been in years past, you know, thinking, well, you know, what, hap- what happens if Quentin Nelson doesn't play or Anthony Costanzo doesn't play? Or similarly, what happens if T.Y. goes down? Like last year, we, we've had that conversation where, gosh, T.Y. has been so important. If he were to go down, man, we'd be in a lot of trouble. And this year, it's like, hey, we have people at every position that are just as capable as the starter. And this team is the most dangerous football team. I, I guarantee it's the most dangerous wide receiver, tight end, and running back room that Andrew Lux had in his career. There's a lot of potential, uh, and and of course, of course, we wouldn't be sitting here if we didn't really feel that way. But this is the this is one of the next three or four years. Obviously, you want to say I'll bet on them for eternity, but in terms of prime, and it's not necessarily Andrew Luck's prime or the Colts' prime, but you got a lot of young players that are appear to be ahead of their years. And you've got a top five quarterback and you've got a great head coach and a great GM putting really good pieces around Andrew Luck. You know, they came in there and said, you know, it's not all about one guy. We want to be as good as we can at every single position so that when that that guy that Andrew Luck can't play, the guy that's coming in behind him is just as capable. And and as much as we talk about trading Jacoby Brissett, the, the more reps he gets in a live action game, I think the more comfortable he gets. Uh, if Andrew Luck's not able to play, I think Jacoby Brissett could go out there and get it done. And I don't know many fr- other franchises that feel the same way, right? I think a lot of franchises in the NFL, if such and such, and you can insert player here, goes down, we're ship sunk, right? You think about the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield. If Baker Mayfield gets hurt, they are done. They're going to implode because Gosh. there is there isn't another wow. there isn't another player on that roster that's going to hold that offense together while while really uh, a couple people are having to reconsider their decision to come to Cleveland, right? Jarvis Landry, Odo Beckham Jr. You got really got to wonder what were we doing? Um, so I, I I just I try to keep everything in perspective, you know. Uh, not get not get too excited about things, but be a little more realistic. And this year is one of those years where I sound like I'm being unrealistic, right? Where there are going to be a lot of people like Browns fans that think that the preseason is highly relevant and your motor in a preseason practice is at all an indicator of season success because there's all kinds of data that suggests that's real. The, but more importantly, the Colts are not playing the same game everybody else is, and it's you can see it on film. When you watch the Colts and you watch other teams, you're watching lesser versions of this. Their offensive line is trash after their starters, or their defensive line is incapable of generating a pass rush outside of their starters. And similarly, this goes back 
you know, all the way back to the quarterback, right? Um, but obviously, uh, as we kind of close up shop here, uh, we want to thank everybody uh, for giving us a listen. You can follow us on Twitter at Pod Pancake, P-O-D Pancake. Um, and yeah, Stephen, I do appreciate your time, brother. Got anything else for us before we get out of here? Not, not anything off the top of my head. Thanks for having me again, as always. And uh, everybody listening to the uh, podcast, give us five stars. Yeah, something like that. It affects, it affects uh, how bright the lights are in my house, I think, is based on how, if you give us five stars or not. Yeah, I have so a, that, I own a barn, so that's, yeah, that's not. The candles burn no brighter difference. in your barn yeah. if you give them five stars. No, no, you don't actually light candles in the barn because we have hay in there, so that's oh, that's, yeah, a, that's bad a bad idea. Idea, you don't want to so, do that. And, yeah, so, <laughs> all right, we're going off the rails. All right, have a good day, everybody, uh, and we'll see you out there. Uh, enjoy the game this week.